Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me today, Herb and Vinny are out of state enjoying their all-star break. So I got White Sox friend, Twitter friend, Steve-O joining me from the Sons of Honarchy podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Drunk Sox or no, shy socks fan, drunk shy socks <laughs> fan on Twitter. I told you I'd mess it up, and I, I didn't mess That's it right. up in the pregame. So when it counts, I'm screwing it up. It's all good. How you it's doing, Steve? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Especially after that White Sox winner. There you go. Going freaking fantastic. Eleven to nothing. The Sox win, and they improved to forty six and forty six. At the All-Star break. So, Steve-O, the Sox are sitting at 500 at the All-Star break, third in the division. They are three games back of Minnesota after taking three of four of Minnesota in this series. How are you feeling as a White Sox fan at the All-Star break, being 46-46 and 46 and being in third place? Absolutely. At the so, you know, I have talked ad nauseum about how this team, after a rough start, after consistently disappointing us saying okay there have been some rough stretches schedule hasn't been easy team hasn't been healthy they've got to be at 500 at the break they've got to be at 500 at the break and guess what they are they're 500 at the break ladies and gentlemen so not only is this just a huge win in the fact that you absolutely crush a division opponent 11 to nothing but now you go into the all-star break you're a 500 ball club, you start absolutely fresh, and you're only a few games back of a division lead, which is absolutely enormous for this team. And, and I am just very, very happy that, you know, you took three out of four right. from a team that is at the top of your division right now. Enough said. And you hit a ton of home runs. You hit a ton of home runs in this game. You hit a ton of home runs this series. And that's been kind of the deciding fact of this Sox team so far is the fact that the power hasn't been there uh, you know before I think this week they were the same amount of home runs as Kansas City had which is just pathetic um, no, that's a really. team that's like 25th in the league at home runs and the Sox are there starting uh, to be tied with them but you have a win like 11 nothing, and that run differential starts to look a lot better you have a win where it's 11-4 against the uh, Angels it looks a lot better the game that you won on Sunday against the Giants uh, at the start of July uh, it really helps that run differential now they're at minus 14 and just a couple weeks ago we were looking at minus 54 so I mean this has been a nice turnaround for the Sox and they've been looking really good uh, ever since June right absolutely and right here in the comments we've got life is better when the Sox hit ding-dongs and it's <laughs> even better when you hit ding-dongs against the Twinkies um, but ball go far team go far and you know what it's one thing if this team was built to be a high on base high contact team but they're not this team is built to be a power team this team needs to hit the ball far and hit the ball out of the park in order to be successful and you saw it this series a lot of power out of these guys in their victories so kudos uh, to the offense for finally stepping up and doing what needed to be done without Robert for most of it, without Jimenez, Adam Engel, mm -hmm. sleeper of this weekend. Absolutely awesome series out of him. And also, the White Sox now have three 
players with 10 home runs or more. Robert has 12, Abreu has 11, and Andrew Vaughn hit his 10th today. So at least you're seeing some double digits cre creep up. Maybe you'll get a 20 home run guy uh, out of a Sox player this year. That'd be great. Uh, but Steve-O, usually do a thing on Twitter. People can follow you on Twitter, at drunk. Cy Sox fan, uh, <laughs> and you usually give out your final five. So why That's don't you right. run down the most important five things that you saw from today, uh, today's game and uh, uh, what it means for the Sox this year? Absolutely, and I love that, uh, you know, the graphic here. Shout out to <laughs> Steven, uh, the man with the golden voice. Is that what it is, the gold? Yes, that's that's, that's what right. apparently his new nickname is. Th that's that you right. You started calling him. But I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this down as I normally do. Hey, what's good, everybody? It's your man Steve-O, today's final five. <laughs> Absolute banger out of the White Sox today. Point number one, Dylan Cease. What an absolute fucking outing out of him. Uh, fastest White Sox to reach 500 Ks in his career. Just absolutely incredible outing today. Absolutely incredible first half of the year out of him. I'm hoping, once we, as we talked about on the pregame show, hopefully this gives him a little chip on his shoulder, not making the All-Star game to just continue to ravage folks because I got money down on him to win the Cy Young this year. <laughs> Point number two, Yohan Moncada. This series, we've seen a lot better plate approach out of him. A lot better contact, hard hit balls, excellent work out of him. Um, that's my point number two. He's absolutely back. This is my guy. I will defend him till the day I die. Maybe he's not a top th uh, third baseman in the league like Herb Warren, <laughs> or our guy Herb says, but uh, you know what? But hey, he's when he's still solid, when he's hitting 107 mile per hour balls, 437 feet. You could say he's back. Absolutely. Point number three, a guy who has been here and will be here to stay, Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn is a pure pro hitter. This guy just goes out and just absolutely hits the ball. He rakes. He is in this next level pedigree for our first baseman. I mean, you've got Frank Thomas, Paul Konerko, Jose Abreu, and now Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn is going to be that next dude in line, and I'm very, very excited to see that. Point number four, this one goes out to Twins manager Rocco Baldelli. Thank you so, so much for letting Chris Archer go a third time through the rotation. <laughs> Chris Archer does not go a third time through the rotation this year. His stuff just is not that good, okay? Thank you for letting him face TA. My pick to click today with two outs, two runners on, smack it. Absolute. Two RBI. That's what we want to see out of Tim Anderson today. And thank you, Rocco, for keeping Chris Archer in. Point number five, and I'll keep it simple, it's damn good to beat Minnehota. <laughs> and shout-out to Herb for that one. Uh, I hate those damn twins. And, and to see this happen uh, has been real damn good. Uh, let's break down a little bit of these final five. Uh, Dylan Cease is the fastest to reach 500 Ks uh, in White Sox franchise history. He patches Chris Sale. Chris Sale did it in uh, 40, 470 72, 472 and a third innings uh, pitch. He got to 500 career strikeouts. Dylan Cease did it in about 399. So real impressive from Dylan Cease today. And then the other one we got for you is Andrew Vaughn. Uh, you know, Steve-O Steve mentioned it, that he's a pro hitter. Uh, Andrew Vaughn in this series. On Thursday, he went two for five with two RBIs. On Friday, he went two for four with two RBIs. On Saturday, he went two for four with two RBIs. And today, he went three for four with three RBIs. And Alex Potno says it. 
Vaughn is the short hurt. And uh, can you go back, Stephen? I just want to read the actual uh, graphic there because he did something Frank Thomas uh, just did. Uh, Frank Thomas uh, is the one player in Sox history uh, in a four-game series to have two RBIs uh, in those game series. So Andrew Vaughn is the first White Sox player with two RBIs in each game of a four-game series since Frank Thomas uh, did it in July 10th to the 13th in 1997. So Andrew Vaughn is definitely a pro hitter on that one. Uh, and then you mentioned Yoan Moncada. Last nine games, he's hitting over 323, an OBP of 400, a slugging percentage over 450. That's an OPS of 850. That guy's back. We will take that out of Moncada, especially with, and I know people are like, he needs to swing the bat more. No, 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 no. No. Let him figure it out at the plate. Honestly, I would love to see Moncada walking more, especially in the two slot in this lineup, because you've got lineup protection behind him. You've got guys that are going to be able to drive him in. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't need to go up there stressing, thinking he needs to hit a home run every time. This isn't 2019 Moncada, okay? Plate approach is totally different. He's going to strike out less. He should walk more because of that. And on top of that, he's going to give you top-of-the-line defense, okay? And that's what we want to see out of him. So, Keep that up, Johan. That's my guy. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, the protection part of it, too, um, because I, it wasn't even at this point uh, in the game. But I, I think they were talking about, you know, when you have Vaughn up at the plate and Abreu behind him, you, you have to pitch to him. Yep. Um, and, and just like uh, I think whoever was giving up home runs uh, for the Twins, I think it was Joe Smith. Um, Joe Smith ended up pitching to uh, Vaughn after the Moncada home run, and Vaughn ended up taking him deep. But Stoney mentioned, you know, part of the reason you have to pitch to him is because you don't want to put on a guy for – Jose Abreu. Exactly. Um, right. Who's, who's the White Sox best player right now. It's, so it's way better than having him bat in the second leadoff spot in the nine hole. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. We don't, <laughs> we got Larry Garcia for a reason. He could be down on the nine hole. Uh, even uh, who, who went deep today, uh, Josh Harrison, Josh Harrison at the nine hole. Uh, he's been the best uh, nine hole hitter in the uh, MLB this year. So, I mean, you could keep him down there. Uh, keep Moncada up, especially if he's walking uh, four walks in the last nine games for Moncada. And then Adam Engel too. Uh, Steve-O mentioned it. Adam Engel has been real good filling in for Luis Robert seven for 13 uh, in this twin series, filling in for Luis Robert. So Adam Engel has been fantastic yeah. this uh, this series as well. Um, really fun stuff. You, you love to see the White Sox finish strong and finish hard the first half. In June, they had 5.2 runs per uh, scored per game. And I think in, in July, it's, it's even above that. So the Sox have been scoring. The Sox have been putting and stepping on guys' throats and teams' throats. And that's been real fun to watch. Um, Beer Garden Jim's wondering, do you remember uh, when you wanted to trade Andrew Vaughn? Yeah, we don't we don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. yeah, Adam well, Frazier was it? No, no, no. It was for. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was for. Who was it for? Come on, Steve. -O. Frankie Montas. That's not that bad. That's better than Adam Frazier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Herb wanted to trade Andrew Vaughn for oh, Adam no. Frazier. No, not Adam Frazier. No. Frankie Montas. Hey, hey, maybe you'll want to trade uh, Andrew Vaughn a little bit later because we'll go into some trade uh, yes, yes. Uh, rumors. Yeah, and, uh, no, Vaughn's off the trade block. And Montas is on it. So, uh, hey, yeah. you know, if, if you want to get a deal done, maybe you'll have to give up one of your uh, best hitters. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go to our best pitcher, though, because Dylan Cease continues his dominance. People are upset he's not an all-star, and I understand why. Uh, uh, Liam Hendricks is an all-star. We talked about this on the pregame, but uh, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander will be inactive. So Jordan Romano and Liam Hendricks were named to the all-star game. Congratulations to Liam. Uh, and I know fans are still upset about Dylan Cease uh, not making the all-star game. Uh, let's go through some of the numbers because he's been incredible this year. In today's game, he went seven innings pitched. He allowed one hit, and it was like a bloop uh, into left field. No earned runs, two walks allowed. 
and 8K. So he went over for Steve-O and Steven. Uh, and then Chris Archer today, four and two-thirds. He went through three times the order, uh, allowed four earned runs, gave up five hits, one walk, and five Ks. But Cease was electric. Yeah. No, I mean, Cease showed that he is an, an ace. Like, he is a future ace. I'll tell you right now. And, and this is a debatable topic, and it might get me in some trouble here. But I think right now the White Sox have two potential aces in their rotation. I Dylan think, Cease is one of those guys. I think you just say he's a, an ace and right I think, now. And I think he's, he, he has, at this point this year, been that ace this year. I mean, he's, he's the de facto ace. The other sure. one you'd be lumping in there is Kopech, right? Is Kopech, yes. I don't, I, the case is out on Geo, uh, but that's for another conversation. Um, but Cease was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you've seen this time and time again this year. Um, outside of, I'd say, the Yankees start. And the, and the funny thing about the Yankees start this year for Cease is he was striking dudes out left and right. Mm-hmm. He was just also giving up the long ball. So as long as he continues to kind of, and I think he was just being a little bit too fastball heavy that game. I'd have to look at the charts. But um, a little bit too much emphasis on the fastball, not enough breaking ball. Um, so, and I think he's really starting to mix his pitch as well, um, yeah. and, and using them in the right spots. Well, it's funny you bring that up. Let's look at his pitch mix from today, because part of this revolution for Dylan Cease, part of him being this effective has been his slider. He threw that the most today, uh, 48 sliders, 51% of his pitches today were sliders. He used his four seam fastball 36% of the t- uh, 36 times, uh, but that was for 38% of the time. He used his knuckle curve only 9% of the time, but the slider and fastball were dominant today um, on 29 swings on his slider he got 15 swings and misses so 52 percent of the times the twins tried to swing at Dylan Cease's slider they swung and missed that is insane that is top of the league stuff and then when you pair that with a fastball that's 90 miles per hour you'll also get guys swinging and missing half the percent of the time six whiffs on 12 swings on his four seam fastball and I kind of we mentioned a little bit in the pregame you know the, the, the Twins haven't seen this slider from Cease. They have, this is the first uh, outing Cease has had versus the Twins this year, and it showed. I mean, you could see why he's been getting so many huge K numbers because this slider has been so effective yeah. and so dominant, and now these Twins who haven't seen him at all show you it. Like, they, they know his stuff, they know his patterns, and then he comes out and he has this refined slider that he's been able to locate and, and pinpoint and be accurate with it, and guys have not been able to stand the test at no, all. No, 100%. And I, I think that's why Cease is so successful against guys like Correa and Buxton. Um, he, with Buxton today and the two strikeouts that Buxton had, um, he didn't rely on using a fastball to try and put away hitters, right? Whereas a lot of guys in, in those cases, maybe it's a 2-2 count, and, and they're going to try and put away Buxton on a high fastball. You're not going to do that on Byron Buxton. His mm-hmm. hands are way too quick. So using that slider when a dude's sitting fastball is huge. And then Correa was fooled big time as well on a couple occasions where he's looking for fastball first pitch and instead sees sneaks in that slider. It's got to be one of the best pitches in baseball right now. It is. 
I mean, by run value, by StatCast run value, it is the best pitch in baseball, uh, better than Corbin Burns' cutter, and that guy's won a Cy Young before. Um, I mean, it's it's been truly dominant. And the thing, too, is he just hasn't used it uh, the same amount that guys use their cutter. I mean, Corbin Burns uses that about 50% of the time. You see Cease use it about 50% of the time today, his slider. But I think around uh, this year, I think it's still around 40%. So this isn't even a pitch that he is showcasing as much. And, you know, when you are a pitcher, you want to be using your best pitch more. And we have seen Cease use that more and more and more. And shout out to Ethan Katz for unlocking him. Uh, you mentioned the two aces that they have in Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease. I've said it before. I always thought that Cease was more of the guy than Kopech. And of course, you know, I'm going to be bringing that, <laughs> that, that up right now when he looks this good. Um, but where do you stand? I mean, are, are you still, you, got, you still got your, your, you know, are you still excited about Kopech? Are you still got those rose colored glasses on about Kopech or, you know, are, are you a little bit concerned? They might be rose colored gl- glasses or lenses if, if that's what we want to call them. But I just think Kopech doesn't depend on VLO. Okay, so like that's the thing with Kopech is, you know, this is a guy who started off in the major leagues and he's pumping 101, right, as a starter, right? They, they're throwing him out there. He's throwing 101 and, and nobody can maintain that for an entire career, right? So obviously he has to revolutionize himself. And I think Michael Kopech has done an excellent job of refinding himself, not needing to just pump 100 pass guys, but he's got so much movement on that fastball. As long as he figures out location, as long as he figures out control, the VLO is there, the movement is there. It's just figuring out, hey, you know, this breaking pitch, I need to release it at this point instead of, you know, where I'm releasing it now. It's going to take time. I think Michael Kopech is one of those pitchers where the raw talent is there. It just needs to be a little bit more refined. Well, I think he still needs another pitch because the slider That's is good, true. and he, he does have that fastball, but when the fastball doesn't have that velocity, I do wonder why they don't start working on a cutter with him because he could start slowing. He, I mean, that slider's good, right? But if he starts throwing more of a harder slider and he gets that fastball that tails into righties and then he gets a cutter that tails away from righties, and then you have the slider to go top of it right. and the curveball, like, I, I still feel like he needs... That next pitch or well, that, yeah. that It's like that, that Corbin level. Burns cutter, right? right? Like Corbin Burns didn't really figure himself out until he started using that cutter, mm-hmm. right? Until, you know, he, you know, once, you, once again, like you said, the cutter outside to righties. So, you know, if he can develop something like that or, you know, say the two seam and the slider are the two main ones and, and he mixes in a changeup or something – that could really work out for him. Yeah. Right. And, and the thing with Cease right now on that slider, um, you know, you usually talk about the differential between a changeup being about 10 miles per hour. That's basically where his differential between his fastball and slider is at this point. So he's basically just using it as a changeup. No, um, guys, guys are just, I mean, you mentioned it with Buxton. Like, he's got such quick hands, but when he thinks coming out of Cease's hands it's a fastball, that's why he's late, and that's why he's flailing at these sliders and striking out two times uh, just because he's been, he's been so damn good and he's been able to find that pitch. Uh, today... The Twins only had three hits off Cease, three batted balls, uh, not even hits, that were over 95 miles per hour. Uh, Those are defined as hard hits in baseball today. But his average exit velocity was 83.7. So guys were not hitting the ball hard. They were not getting good contact. They had no clue where the ball was going to be in the strike zone, and he was electric. Let's talk about his first half because you think he should be an all-star. 
I oh, think he yeah. should be an all-star. He, he absolutely should be an all-star. Steven thinks he should be an all-star, yet he's not an all-star. Uh, most strikeouts in the first half this year, Dylan Cease is your leader at number one with 150. Tied for second is Shane McClanahan and Garrett Cole at 147. In fourth is Corbin Burns at 144. Aaron Nola had a good day today. He's up to 137th and fifth, fifth place. The reigning AL Cy Young, Robbie Ray, is at 135. And Carlos Rodon, old friend, uh, is at 131. This guy's not an all-star, Steve-O. It's, it's wild <laughs> to me. And I, I had some... Some people that were ragging on me, non-White Sox fans uh, of mine that I grew up with that were ragging on me for saying, oh, well, you really shouldn't care that much that Cease isn't an all-star, yada, yada, yada. Well, I mean, it's the problem is is a couple of the people that were chosen over him, right? Like, is Blackburn still an AL all-star? Yes, but that's because oh, the that's A's because are he's sad. an A. That's right, yes. that's right. But, but like, like, he's much worse. Even like, yeah. And Nestor like, Cortez. Nestor Cortez, that was my big one too, is, you know, obviously Garrett Cole is that that brand name, you know, all-star votes, and, and I know the the pitchers aren't voted in, but like, you, you get those name brand people in the all-star game, you know, like Liam Hendricks being chosen over Dylan Cease even, right? You, people want that name recognition, right? Dylan Cease may not be at that name recognition yet. I'm hoping he's going to be there by the end of the year because obviously he's my Cy Young pick. But um, <laughs> if history teaches us anything, last year's Cy Young, Robbie Ray, he wasn't an All Star. Right. That's so very maybe true. this is just the formula to getting a Cease and a, a Cy Young award here. I I I hope so. I hope that the math. Seems to check out. We'll be doing a, a lot of studying into uh, what players were all-stars and didn't win the Cy Young. But, I mean, even you think of the great second halves in MLB history, 2015, Jake Arrieta, who won the Cy Young, had a fantastic second half and wasn't an all-star. So mm -hmm. it doesn't mean anything for end-of-the-year stats. And the way that Dylan has found stuff, I think at his last 10 starts, he has a .47 ERA. So yep. if he continues to do that, he might have an ERA sub-2 and lead the league in strikeouts. I'd be shocked if that guy, especially on an American League Central winning team, I'd be shocked if that guy doesn't win the AL Cy Young. Yeah. And if Cease pitches that well and we're not an American Central, we're not the AL Central winners, then I'm just going to be absolutely beside myself. So I think at this point, too, and we haven't asked this question just yet, are the Sox back? I think the answer is yes. And if they don't win the Central, we're back to where it was at the start of the year. Right. It's a disappointment. It's it's sad. You're three games back, you get to five hundred, and you just prove that you are clearly a much better team than the twins in this series. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean the fact that their one loss is really solely because Lance Lynn had an awful start, that says a lot. Mm -hmm. That says a lot to where this team is in comparison to their talent level and, and how good they really are. Um, especially against division opponents. Um, I, I'm really, really proud of this team. They really turned it around. They had a rough start in Cleveland, but uh, all in all, fantastic work. Yeah, and if you want to bet on the White Sox to win the AL Central, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And right now, you get the White Sox to win the AL Central at plus 130. The Twins are at plus 105, so you could still get them their second favorite right now. This is the time. If the Sox are back in your mind, now is the time to jump on them on the PointsBet app. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all the Roeb content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from a CHGO locker. 
all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. PointsBet's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. You see an edge in the game you're watching. Your favorite team is primed for a comeback. Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. There's more live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash-outs with the PointsBet app. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. You can download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. And again, once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1, Steve-O, because I started this job. They sent us the free trials, and I have continued to use and use and use my AG1s each and every day. It has a somewhat tropical, mild taste. It doesn't taste super healthy, Steve-O. So when you're taking in your you know, health, uh, nutrition, you're taking in your, your supplements for the day. You want them to taste good. You don't want to be tasting, you know, tasting, you know, some health stuff, right? You don't want it to taste like dirt. Absolutely. This tastes tropical and mild and nice. And what is this stuff? You may be asking with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Right. I wake up feeling great feel energetic. I feel focused. I feel like I can take on the day. My nervous system is better. I've been less anxious since taking this stuff. And it is lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And Athletic Greens has over 7,002 five-star reviews. So right now, it is the best time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water each and every day. That's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash CHGO socks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash CHGO SOX to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Steve-O, it's time to talk about the first half. It's time to look back in the socks first half. And I want to ask you, what makes you the most nervous? Looking at the second half, looking at what could go wrong, what has gone wrong, what makes you the most nervous about the White Sox and their ability to make the playoffs? I know we've been all, right. uh, White Sox are back. They yeah. won 11 nothing. I get it. Uh, but what's your biggest concern for the 2022 Sox looking at the second half? Absolutely. Whew. That they can go cold at any time. <laughs> this um, team can go cold? Yes. Um, especially, I think about that stretch of games late, very late, like end of the month. April, uh, where they lost 10 out of 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't necessarily to great opponents either. I, I know, like, the Angels were sprinkled in there. Started with Cleveland, I think. Uh, Cleveland, Kansas City, like, division games, too. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to the offense. Um, when I talk about cold, I specifically think the bats going cold, right? This team needs to be an offensive juggernaut. juggernaut like they were this series, if they are going to win the AL Central and maybe give us some hope when we think about October baseball. Yeah. And, uh, hey, I think that's why, you know, Sammy Davis is bringing up health, too. I mean, you know, it could either be coldness or, hey, if Jose Abreu, knock on wood, 
goes down with an injury, I mean, that could just immediately send the offense into a cold streak because that's the guy that's been producing yep. so much. So, you know, that that's a huge concern. And if this team doesn't start walking more, and whether that be Yoan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal picking up that slack or even Andrew Vaughn, um, Jose Bray has picked up a bit of that slack. But if they don't start walking more as a team, that's going to probably lead to more and more consistent cold stretches just because you're not able to work count, get guys on base. And we've clearly seen their power issues uh, driving those guys home. Yep. have been an issue but health has also been a big thing too uh lance lynn i think might be someone's uh, big concern here and i think he could fall under that health category he's working back from an injury and he hasn't looked great in his first seven starts to be you know a little bit uh you know devil's uh what's it called Devil's advocate. Devil's, devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, you could see some of the guys this year start off slow. Lucas started off slow and had a little bit of an injury problem. Dylan started off a little bit slow and had a little bit of an injury problem. Um, I think Lance can work his way back up to that point where he was. Maybe he won't be the th- you know second best pitcher or best pitcher on the team, being right. the the first starter in a playoff series. But I would really be shocked if Lance Lynn doesn't find it or something resolving it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, if we want to talk about Lance Lynn, I, I think the case is out for me. I, I'm not 100% sure that he's going to work his way back to being even a league average starter at this point. Really? Um, I, I looked at, my biggest thing is his pitches have movement. His VLO is down bad. Um, he just does not have the velocity on his pitches that you need from a guy that's throwing. I mean, I know last year his fastball percentage was about 90%, right? Mm -hmm. 90 plus percent of the time he's throwing fastballs for a guy that's throwing fastballs that much in major league baseball, you got to pump it by dudes. Um, or your spin rates got to be out of this world. And I mean, he's got above average league spin rate, but it's not, it's not through the roof. Um, so I would I, I think the case is out for Lance Lynn. I'm not too sure about him. Health is a big issue for Lance Lynn as well. Um, I think ever since the knee injury, um, he just has not looked the same. Um, so, and I think the knee injury also has something to do with his lack of being in shape. And he's always been a big dude. Right. But... He's the big bastard. Yes, he is the big bastard. That is the nickname. Um, but his, I know you think, oh, pitcher, big guy, he doesn't have to move around a lot. Weight can play a considerable, you know, can have a big, it's a big thing when you're on the mound and you're pushing hard on your legs and you're putting all that weight onto your joints. I mean, you're prone to be injured again. So that's my big con- that's another big concern with Lance Lynn. Right. Last year his four seam uh, fastball was at ninety four miles per hour averaging and he hasn't even reached that average point in a single game. Uh, the highest he's reached with a fastball velocity is ninety three point two. So I mean he's been well under uh, that 94 mark each and every time. So, I mean, that that's a that's a concern. And, you know, hopefully he's able to build it up. Maybe he's able to build it up during this this All-Star break. He's able to build up some more strength. But, you know, I think him losing weight and him him slimming down that frame might be a, a, a tough job for him. Yeah, but, no, uh, absolutely. We'll, we'll see. Uh, any other big concerns stick out to you? Health was brought up. Lance Lynn was brought up. Um, uh, the, the offense and their struggles is brought up. Are you, are you too worried? Are you worried at all about the bullpen and, and the – issues that they've had i mean obviously joe kelly we saw him today mm-hmm. he looked iffy um Liam he's Hendricks looked iffy all some, year uh, unfortunately some injury issues matt foster was good then matt foster was bad jose ruiz was good then bad then good for sure what are your thoughts on the bullpen where bullpens are volatile 
Um, they, they almost always are in baseball, um, which is why, you know, if, if there's someone, you know, if this season ends up be, being coming some failure, right? One of the first people I point the finger at is Rick Hahn because of the way the money was spent on the bullpen, right? You could have went out and you could have gotten an outfielder or a second baseman that really could solidify your lineup. Instead, you got Josh Harrison, right? Uh, and you re-signed Larry Garcia. And then you went out and spent that money on, on bullpen pieces when you already had bullpen pieces. Um, so my biggest thing with the bullpen, uh, I mean, they're volatile, but you've got a lot of pieces. You've got a lot of guys that can come in and do a solid job. Reynaldo Lopez has been really good in his current role. Liam Hendricks is an all-star for a reason. Kendall Graveman has been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn good. Um, and then Aaron Bummer, as long as Aaron Bummer's health is a big concern. <laughs> um, if there's one thing that I want to point out with the bullpen, it's that they don't really have a strong lefty arm. Right. Um, so we're not a Tanner Banks believer. I am not a Tanner Banks believer, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, definitely not a believer in his, his dress style, you know, and making sure that he gets shirts that fit him correctly as well. But did you ever see that picture of no. him with the, the button popping out? I missed oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was toward the beginning of the year just when he like first got called up. Wearing, like, extra smalls? Oh, it was, like, small, and then the button was, like, popping <laughs> off, too. It was just really the European fantastic. cut. Mm. I guess so. Ma- a European cut, apparently. Is Tanner European? And, uh, Sounds very French. It's an office reference, guys. Come on. <laughs> well, it, but that's about him wearing a woman's suit, right? No. That's not when Michael shows no, up. that's with a different them. one. Okay. But, um, yeah, they don't have a lefty arm that they can depend on because right now Bummer's got the injury problems and Crochet's out for the year. I mean, you're right. kind of hoping for those two guys to be those dudes, and they really haven't. So I think a big thing, and I said this earlier in the year, too, uh, that Aaron Bummer's health is going to be important for this team. and. If he can come back and be solid, then I have zero worries about the bullpen. But, you know, you don't have a lefty arm, and that might be something, especially since Rick Hahn loves bullpen arms, might be something he's exploring when trade deadline comes. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I, I think that finding a lefty arm might be difficult um, just because there's not a lot out there that are going to be free agents at the end of the year, and also lefties are just so accommodated. So mm-hmm. that might be a tough find for them. But, you know, I mean – Maybe Joe Kelly's better. You know, they brought Joe Kelly to be, you know, they're, they're a guy who can face righties and lefties. He still hasn't found it, but he's still trying to find it. So maybe, you know, he finds it in September. Yeah. Better late than never. I mean. But never late is better. Right. <laughs> All right. So worst part of the first half easily was the eight-game losing streak in April. I think we can all agree on that. Right. What was your favorite memory or favorite stretch or favorite part of the first half that comes to mind for you? Honestly, for me personally, it was I. So I had the opportunity to go out to California. There you go. And uh, I I saw two of the three games against the Angels. Uh, saw a win and then a loss, and then I saw the sweep up in San Fran. Um, so being able to witness them on the road and play great road baseball because this team has been so much better on the road than they've been at home this year. Um, getting able to rack up those wins in my wins versus losses uh, for the year uh, was definitely a highlight. And I think that's also, as, as weird as it seems, it almost seems like it's been like a turning point for this team too. Like they've You're been the playing, turning point? I, maybe Your I'm, trip I'm, to I'm California the turning point. Is exactly. the turning point? <laughs> no, but that road trip. Because I feel like historically, and I, maybe this is just a feeling, but um, 
historically, it seems like the White Sox tend to get their ass kicked on the West Coast, mm-hmm. um, whether it be in Oakland or Anaheim or uh, up in Seattle. They just have never really played well on the West Coast during my lifetime. So seeing them win those win four out of five of the games that I went to on the West Coast and then you know, that brought us into the series at home against Minnesota, and morale was down a little bit then. But they picked it back up since. And, I mean, getting – honestly, right now, if this is the best I've felt as a White Sox fan the entire season. I would have to agree. 11-7 uh, and seven since July. So, Steve-O is the good luck charm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's – do you also know your record at games this year? I don't. I'd have to go back okay. and look. All right. But I, I think I'm 1-1. One one. Okay. Nothing crazy. Uh, but, yeah, I think that – I don't know if something clicked, but what I liked in that San Francisco series was they showed their ability to win in many different ways. They're very good at winning close games. They win that first game on Friday, one to nothing against San Francisco. Then they go out and beat Logan Webb, who's like a really good right-handed pitcher, right. which was shocking to see. And they win that one five to three, and they get enough run support for Dylan Cease. And then they completely blow him out on, on that Sunday game, thirteen to four. And you just see the multi uh, abilities of this team to win, and it felt like they were clicking a little bit um, and then they just didn't pull it off in the cleanest way against the AL Central they played 15 games in 14 ga- days against the AL Central mm-hmm. and it wasn't super clean but they ended strong uh, the, the fact that they win five of the last six hell fucking yeah you know I mean maybe they can turn this into something special three games back uh, of the division right now and uh, you know I, I think this is easily the the high note of the Sox season even though I felt like it could have been better, especially with the way they started off against Minnesota, losing two or three, and then only splitting with Detroit. Maybe I'm just being greedy here, but... No, no. Detroit's definitely one of those teams that you should at least take three out of four of, you know, or two out of three of every single time. I mean, they're they're not a good baseball team right now at all. Um, But this division is very grabbable. I mean, right now, this division should be theirs. I mean, if they play baseball to the best of their ability, if they play like they did the last six days, this should be theirs to take. Yeah, and they've been saying we're, we're going to play to the back of the baseball card at some point. Maybe that was this. There maybe, you go. Maybe that's this, this past series. Uh, eight and seven in those 15 games against the AL Central in those uh, those 15 games in those 14 days. So they finished above 500, which is exactly what they needed, and they finished the All-Star break in the first half at 46 and 46. Excited to look at the second half, look at who the White Sox are going to be playing. Excited to look at who they might possibly draft or, or what they're looking at in the draft at 26. Uh, today, we'll be looking at some trade partners as well. We'll get all into that, but we have to tell you about points bet got to download the PointsBet app. It's the best way to support CHGO. It's one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and use and register. Uh, your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. Steve-O's mentioned it. He's got a bet for Dylan Cease to win the AL Central, uh, or AL Cy Young, at plus 1,400. Right now, on points bet, you can get Dylan Cease to win the AL Central Cy Young, or not AL Central Cy Young, AL Cy Young at plus 1,400. So, I think it's a great deal. It's I think a lot it's of a, value there. a real good value right there. $5 to win 70 I think he could put himself into this position. He clearly has found something that works for him. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. 
live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. But if he's their ace, I think Johnny Cueto's been real good. I think Lucas Giolito's figuring it out. Michael Kopech has proven that he can be good enough even when he doesn't have that elite velocity. And if Lance Lynn's your fifth best pitcher or fifth worst pitcher, it's not that bad, you know? And Davis Martin's been pretty good. So let's see if the White Sox can actually win the AL Central. Let's look at teams that have won the division that were at or below 500 at the All-Star break. And this is since 2005. The 2008 Dodgers did it. They won the NL West at 84 and 78, and they were 46 and 49 at the All-Star break. 2012 Athletics won the AL West at 94 and 68 after being 43 and 43 at the All-Star break. The 2013 Dodgers were 92 and 70, winning the NL West in the 2013 year. They finished 47 and 47 at the All-Star break. The 2017 Cubs finished the All-Star break 43 and 45, ended up winning the NL Central at 92 and 70. The 2019 Cardinals won the NL Central after finishing the All-Star break at 44 and 44, and they finished 91 and 71. And the 2021 the 2021 Braves, who ended up winning the World Series, finished the All-Star break 44-45 and 45 and ended up taking the NL East at 88-73. and 73. You talked about what the Sox strategy should be at the trade deadline. You said it should be similar to the, uh, to the uh, Braves, but we see even the 2017 Cubs, they kind of just rolled with the talent they had after winning a World Series, and they ended up winning the Central. Do you think 90 wins is possible for the Sox here, or do you think that the, that might be a little too greedy for Sox fans? I think 90 is a lot. I mean, that <laughs> is that means you're you're going out and you're playing. So, uh, 44 and 28 the rest of the 40, way. Thank you. 44 and 28 for the rest of the season. That's like, that's top-notch baseball right there. Yeah, that's I, really good. 90, I think, is a stretch. That's but like the again, White Sox playing on the road. Ex- it that's is. <laughs> it is. Honestly, can we just play the rest of the games on the road? Forget the home games. We'll go out and travel. Um, it, here's the thing. I, you saw right there the Braves were an 88-win team last year, right? I think the White Sox could win 88. Yeah, I mean, 80, an 87, 88 probably wins this division. Yeah, I, that's about a 60% win percentage. Uh, if they go 44 and 28, that's a 61% win percentage. So it's still not like crazy. You're winning 60% of your games, yeah. which is, you know, a lot. But also, this is a yeah. team that is facing or has the easiest schedule to the end of the year. And if you're really thinking that this team's going to be clicking uh, and they're going to be you know, living up to the back of the baseball card and they're going to be making additions, then, yeah, I think that this team will definitely still be in it for the AL Central. I wavered a little bit, especially, you know, in the middle of June, but I feel like (laughs) I'm coming back that this team is definitely the best still in the AL Central. The Twins don't have that pitching. I don't think the Guardians have enough power to keep up with the White Sox. I agree. The White Sox are hitting home runs. This should be an easy, easy win for them in the AL Central. Let's look at the uh, remaining schedule for the Sox. Uh, Against playoff caliber teams, they have seven games left. They got games against the Astros and Padres. Then they got nine games left against the Twins, 10 games left against the Guardians. And then they got 12 games against the Mariners, Orioles, Rangers, and Angels. I would honestly probably move the Mariners and Orioles over to uh, division Division contenders contenders, at at this point. Uh, They're better than mediocre, uh, but uh, we made this... uh, this whole thing a long time ago uh, yeah. and rebuild teams, uh, D-backs, Rockies, Tigers, Royals, and Athletics, uh, 32 games left against them. So real nice seeing most of your games are against the Twins and Guardians, team that you need to take uh, advantage of and you need to beat, and then 32 games against real bad teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, take care of business. 
I mean, you've got 19 games against the Twins or the Tees, Minnehota, um, <laughs> as well as 10 against Cleveland. Those, those are your do-or-die games right there, in my opinion. I mean, those are the games where you got to take care of business. I mean, you got to take at least five of those games from Minnesota and at least six of those games from Cleveland. Like, you, you got to be over 500 against those teams moving forward and then obviously whoop up on those, 30, those 32 games where you've got bad teams. I mean, you've got some really bad teams in that mix. Um, those are games, you know, if they're three-game sets – Look to sweep. Don't don't be content with taking two out of three. Don't throw out a Sunday lineup that is garbo. Like it, it's time. It's do or die time. I think. Uh, and I gotta say this: we were ragging on Tony. We've been ragging on Tony Larusa for multiple reasons. Uh, uh, you know, everybody has uh, throughout the White Sox universe, Twitter sphere. You have it, but um, the lineups have been a lot more consistent. I mean, we're starting to see kind of the same guys in the same spots within the batting order every single day. And and what is the result of that? Offensive production. Yes. Um, guys are actually in the spots where they feel like they're comfortable hitting and they're actually hitting. It's not a mystery to them. Uh, so I got to I gotta say that much. Uh, yeah, it's not time to screw around. <laughs> it, it, it's business time. And uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Mariners, I would definitely bump them. I mean, I don't know. They're not division contenders, but they're playoff contenders, that's for sure. Um, and then Baltimore, they, don't sleep on them either. I mean, they're they're a solid team. They really are. Um, I don't think their pitching holds up, though. That's for sure. Right. But, hey, I mean, apparently Dean Kramer can shut out the White Sox, right? I mean, that's that's the part where I we're talking about. that game. I really don't. <laughs> God, I mean, Johnny yeah. Cueto had a, a great game. They lost 4 to nothing. Uh, yep. All he needed was four runs. Um, and that's kind of the, the saying that we've been having with the Sox team. So it's, you know. They can beat these teams. It's just they just can't beat themselves. And we saw today um, they didn't beat themselves, and they just put it to the Twins. And I think it's all about whatever you can do to bottle this up and bottle whatever you brought to the ballpark in this series – that's what's going to be important for the Sox because, you know, Dean Kramer, that guy can't <laughs> no. shut you out, right? You know, Daniel Lynch, Brady Singer, you got to avoid these stinker games against them because, sure. um, you know, if you were able to, you know, negate that side of the game, your pitching has been able to live up and, and they're able to beat these weaker um, these weaker lineups. So I, I'm excited. I think it could be one hell of a stretch. Um, if you add up the 19 games against Minnesota and Cleveland and add up the 32 games against Rebuilding, uh, teams that's 51 games so if they got Sox go 44 and 7 in those games <laughs> they'll win 90 oh, that, games that's, it, huh? Just that's, it. And seven? that's okay. it guys four and seven that's it um and hey uh that's what uh you know I think Sox fans deserve because they're three and six against the Guardians this year and four and six against the Twins so you're still looking up at those teams because uh you have not been able to take care of business this year against them if you were able to have an above 500 uh record against the Twins and the Guardians right now now, we wouldn't be in this position if you just took care of business. We wouldn't be in this position if we didn't walk uh, or if we didn't uh, if we weren't afraid to uh, face Louisa Rise and just walked Byron Buxton. We might be in second right. place right now or so. walk Trey Turner with two strikes oh, or. Yeah, I do. And it's interesting you brought up the uh, lineup thing, too, because, I, you know, I think Tony has 
gotten some help. Uh, maybe we'll say that from the uh, from the, uh, the the people up above in the analytics department, just because it has felt really consistent and it hasn't felt too weird and it hasn't felt too out of there. So I do wonder, um, you know, what the stats are for the Sox since June 9th, because that really feels like when the lineup switched and it felt like more of front office control Absolutely. of the lineup rather than Tony throwing out the For lineup. Sure. Um, no, just and, because and, and you complain about it less. Exactly. No, selfish plug. Sons of Honarchy podcast, <laughs> uh, the one that I do uh, with my buddy Tommy. Um, yeah, we talked about this uh, this morning. Uh, we did an episode this morning. and um, Consistency in, in regard to the lineup and, and, and the front office just kind of – and it, it seems like – less and less is being taken out of Tony's hands. Like maybe this is speculatory, but you know, with Kenny Williams and his, uh, his meeting, his meeting, uh, his clubhouse meeting, his scorning. Um, and, uh, on top of that too, it just seems like Ethan Katz has been much more involved and talking with Tony before decisions are made to pull out pitchers. Miguel Cairo is in in the mix, having conversations with batters. Um, I, I just, maybe it's the cameras for NBC Sportsnet that are catching more of these things, but just watching the games on TV, it just seems like the rest of the coaching staff is a ton more active. And, I just looked this up since June 9th, yes. that, that day where I think it is, that was the day that the Sox ended up uh, walking Trey Turner. Um, but that is where the Sox truly started getting more lineup consistency. I think Andrew Vaughn ended up batting second in like 18 straight games. The White Sox are one of two teams to score over 200 runs since June 9th. The only team above them is the New York Yankees. Are they back? They might be. Are they back, folks? They might be, folks. Let's see what reinforcements might be on the way. Uh, let's jump to the story coming out of Washington first, Stephen, because apparently Juan <laughs> Soto turned down a $440 million contract from the Washington Nationals. I believe our guy Hector Gomez said that the Nationals will try to offer him one more contract, but if they turn, if he turns it down, Juan Soto, then they will look to trade him. Yes. Um, they're looking to trade this guy in 554 games, Juan Soto's hitting 293, 427, 540. He's slugging 540. Um, he has 108 doubles, 117 homers, eight triples, and an OPS plus of 160. Uh, MLB average is 100, so he's 60 percent better than the MLB uh, average hitter. But not only that, Stevo Juan Soto is only 23 years old. So the reason why he might be getting a $440 million contract for 15 years is because he will not be 23 until, or 24, until October. If you're trying to find people who are younger than me, Juan Soto is one of them. Uh, And for players 23 and younger, he has the second highest on-base percentage ever since 1920. He's got a better on-base percentage uh, than Jimmy Fox was, or Mel Ott, or Albert Pujols, or Lou Gehrig, or Mickey Mantle. All those guys were at 400 or better. The only guy he doesn't beat is Ted fucking Williams. They want to trade that guy, Steven. I mean, they they don't, I guess they don't want to offer him $500 million. That's the kicker, right? Is is Juan Soto the $500 million man? And if you ask me, if it's a 15-year contract, yeah. Sounds like a steal. I, it sounds like, I mean, if I'm an owner of a Major League Baseball club and I have that much money, I'm doing it. I mean, the payout is unreal. Um, you're getting a generational talent. And, and by generational talent, I mean the generation's talent. Yes. I mean, this is this is Mike Trout level. I mean, if yeah, 
I mean, not defensively. He's not going to steal bases, but he's the best hitter I've seen in my lifetime since Barry Bonds. He might be the best on-base getter or uh, ability to get on base uh, since Barry Bonds. He might be yeah. the best home run hitter since Barry Bonds. Yeah. He's only 23. The guy's going to have like 400 home runs before he's 30. Um, and hey, uh, at Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, I know you probably know this, but uh, your park factors for left-handers, uh, weirdly enough, give you the best advantage for left-handed hitters hitting home runs in your ballpark. But we don't want to sign lefty power bats. But you don't want to sign. Kyle Schwarber <laughs> was available. Bryce Harper was available. Jock we, Peterson twice. Jock Peterson twice was available. You got Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton and Gavin Sheets out there. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see Juan Soto in a White Sox uniform. I bet everyone would, but that's the yeah. big problem is Jerry spending money. Do you think it happens? It's not going to happen. Okay. I'm sorry, folks. I, I hate to burst the bubble here. Doesn't matter who, who you throw on the table what you're willing to give up unless it's Cease, Robert, Montgomery. <laughs> uh, that probably does it. Honestly, those three headlined with some other pieces. I said Kopech, Robert, Montgomery, Vera, and uh, Colas. Yeah, that probably does it. it I, mean, I would do it. That would do it. I, I don't know if I'm better doing than it right now, man. Um, it's so much. Um I would just outbid everybody in free agency next year. Right. Right. Um, that would be fantastic, but it's not going to happen. I really don't want to see the White Sox. I mean, here's the thing. You've got a team that's just finally coming together, right? A team that seems to finally be getting its bearings underneath it. Um, to kind of rip a lot of that structure up just to put Juan Soto here, not to guarantee he's going to be with the team next year. You can't do it, and it's not going to happen, especially with a playoff, a team that should make the playoffs this year. Well, right, and that's the thing, too. If, if you're trading for that guy, you have to sign him. Uh, you just can't let him walk. You can't trade Kopech and Robert and et cetera and then just let that guy go out to the free market. But, hey, um, if the White Sox want to go and get him, I don't think I'd be upset. But let's look at the other players that might be available. Maybe yeah. they'll catch Steve-O's eye, oh, or maybe a, a position will catch Steve-O's eye. Uh, these are the possible a, – a, a, the players who are possibly available um, this trade deadline, it's at August 2nd this year, so it's pushed back a little bit. The draft is tonight, um, so you're going to have a couple weeks before the trade deadline gets going. But at catcher, Wilson Contreras is the best catcher available. He's playing for the Cubs right now. You got Josh Bell at first base, currently playing for the Nationals. You got Whit Merrifield, who uh, just chose not to play for the Royals um, in this Toronto series, but he's the best second baseman on the market right now. Best third baseman on the market, Brandon Jury, uh, the Cincinnati Red. The best shortstop on the market, Jose Iglesias out in Colorado. Ian Happ, David Peralta, Andrew Benatendi, those are some outfielders that are available. Daniel Bard is an available reliever from Colorado. And your guy, Frankie Montas, is available that from, is my from, guy. from Oakland. Uh, if you're looking at just positions here, what really draws your eye for these socks? Uh, I'm thinking based on just needs of the lineup before positions. Um, because, let's be real, I mean, corner outfields seems to be a problem for the White Sox, especially when it comes to staying healthy or production. Um, so when I think of corner outfield, that's when I think of position need. But when I think of lineup need, I think of left-handed power bat. The White Sox have that-ish mm -hmm. with Gavin Sheets, Gavin Bonds, as uh, people <laughs> like to comment. Um, but it, it, it's, not, it's not working, okay? Gavin Sheets is not really your answer, especially if you're going to be a championship caliber ball club. If you want to take the next step, you got to go out 
and get somebody that's going to be your everyday DH that's going to smack the crap out of the ball. Right now, in free agency, there's two guys who really catch my eye. One of them can play outfield. One of them better not sniff the outfield, though our team has a love affair with sticking first baseman. Who are you calling and, up? Uh, or who you, who you want to sign? So uh, I'll stick with the one that I don't want to see out in the field, and that's Josh Bell. Okay. Um, Josh Bell has, is having a career year right now uh, when it comes to offensive production. Um, we haven't seen these kinds of numbers from Josh Bell since his rookie year in Pittsburgh. Um, however, tail and tape, I mean, he's hitting the ball far. He's hitting the ball well. I would love to see him in a White Sox uniform, and I think he really patches up that solid DH need that you need, that left-handed power bat. And I know we have a history as an organization <laughs> of giving guys a chance at left-handed, being left-handed power bats in the DH spot and them just absolutely floundering. Adam LaRoche, Adam Dunn. Luckily, Josh Bell does not have the first name Adam. So <laughs> there's a plus sign right there. And it's not a long-term contract. So right there. And Washington's looking to sell. Do it. I would absolutely go after Josh Bell. The second name would be, and I'm getting, I saw somebody rag on this name already, but I don't know why because he's having a great offensive year. It's Jock Peterson. You've got a need for a corner outfielder. He can play corner outfield. He's not awesome defensively, but he'll, he's Who is better. On the White he's, Sox? I was going to say, he's better than Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets out there. On top of that, he's in the crap out of the ball in San Fran. Mm-hmm. I don't see why you don't want to fit him into that spot yeah I mean he's got 15 home runs uh, to, uh this year against right-handed pitching so I mean that's that's a ton of power that'd be the most home runs on the White Sox right now yep um and San Francisco isn't a great place to hit home runs so I mean this guy's showing off his power and you put him in guaranteed right field he's probably going to put on a complete light show um and you bring up Josh Bell too um his career OPS versus right-handed pitchers 846 um so that would be insane to add that yep. to the lineup and this year his OPS is 899 versus right-handers and 888 versus left-handers. So he is just hitting the damn ball from both sides of the plate. Both guys would be great. I thought you were going to bring up Michael Conforto um, because <laughs> Michael Conforto is still a free agent out yeah, there. He's a left-handed bat, and he can play the outfield. So, I mean, I know we brought him up to nauseam uh, during the offseason, but he's still available. I mean, I don't know if I'm willing to – and. That's the nice thing is he'd be low risk, right? It's a possible low risk, high reward mm -hmm. with Conforto. But right now, I think, you know, with the, where this team is at, you want somebody that's proven themselves throughout this season so far. And right now, it's not just Conforto is coming off of an injury. It's Conforto is also coming off of a very rough 2021. Yeah. Um, especially at the plate. So something to think about there. Alex says should be back for September, though. I eyeball emoji, so uh, we'll see. Um, right, I think uh, relief pitching was probably something that I'd love to see added, and it doesn't have to be a big name. It doesn't have to be someone you're going to be using in the 8th or ninth or, or 7th inning. Get a guy and just fill out the depth for this because I don't need to see Jimmy Lambert in a playoff game coming out of the bullpen. I don't need to see Jose Ruiz coming out of the, uh, the bullpen for a playoff game. I know he's been better. I I'm a Jose Ruiz believer. But. You're just like Jordan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I also don't wouldn't love to see Tanner Banks out there as well. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think that getting more right-handed pitching or just getting more relief pitching would just be huge for this team just because I, I don't love the depth. And, you know, Kyle Crick was some depth, and he's still injured. Aaron Bummer was great and important to this team, but he's still injured. So I would just love, especially if Joe Kelly 
has something flare up or Graveman flare yeah. up or God forbid uh, the thing with Liam continues to bug him. Uh, you know, I, I would love just more depth for this bullpen. I know you mentioned you would love for the White Sox to go out and just be like the Braves and get like six guys and just fill out the depth of this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the thing. Like, don't the don't put your focus on top tier players. Like, don't put your focus on all stars and obviously like a Juan Soto, right? Just piece it together like the Braves did. I think that would be phenomenal. I think that's a lot of work for Rick Hahn. He tends to be the guy that's like, I'll just make a couple moves and we'll be content with that. Um, even last year, I was surprised that they went out and even made three moves, right? Um, for uh, Cesar, for Tepera. Kimbrell, mm-hmm. and Tapera. Um, but it's, uh, I would love to see them be a little bit more active shuffle around some pieces and uh, just kind of add to the depth, as you mentioned, depth. And depth plays, especially in the playoffs. That would need for uh, Leary Garcia to probably be off the team at this point, which I don't know if they would do. Yeah, um, He's probably the worst player right now depth-wise, so you'd probably need to circle him out. You talked about Adam Engel and his big-ass sunglasses. Um, you're probably <laughs> going to need to you know, cut him, but even though he's been good, like – I, I just don't think that the Sox would want to get rid of the depth that they have because That's they're so fair. attached to their depth. For sure. Adam Ingle's their guy. Leary's their guy. It just feels like they're too attached to their guys to yeah. actually make a, an aggressive move like that. I don't get the attachment to Leary. Um, obviously, they gave him the contract, and that's a problem in and of itself. Um Adam Engel, he's there as a defensive replacement. And honestly, I mean, these hot streaks that he goes through are really nice. Um, I AJ Pollock has been rough, too. Um, I don't know what they're going to do about AJ Pollock um, because you traded for him thinking he was going to be your everyday starter. And he, over his last, I don't know how many games it's been, but I think over the last month, he's got like a weighted runs created plus of like, Something atrocious. Yeah, it's, yeah. he's been like ugly eight. out there. And we were looking at some of his uh, numbers this year. Like, you compare this to 2020, he's got the same K and walk rate, um, but the power has just been zapped. He's right. just not hitting the ball as hard as he has been uh, throughout his career. So that's been tough to see. All right, real quick, we got one more roster thing to sort out. Uh, the catchers. Sebi's been hitting great. Reese had a double today. Uh, and Yasmani Grandal's coming back. Uh, so Sebi, this year, he's hit 288, 333, and slugged 450 for a point eight F war. Uh, Reese McGuire... Batting 224, 261, and 280, slugging 280. Um, he's got a point four F four. And then Yasmani Grandal, um, he's hitting 391, 575, and 652 in eight rehab games uh, so far. So what do the White Sox do when well, they need to call up Yasmani Grandal? The graphic says it all right there. You got the picture of Yasmani. You got the picture of Sebi. Who's out of the picture? <laughs> Reese McGuire. Um you know, I, I really have to. I really hate to give Reese a nice yank out of the uh, the twenty six man right there, um, but uh, it, it's going to be time. Um, Sebi has absolutely improved. I'm actually extremely impressed. I mean, Sebi is kind of like the Johnny Cueto of position players for me. Like Johnny Cueto has been a big surprise for me this year and how good he's been. Sebi Zavala has been extremely surprising. Both defensively and offensively because the big thing is is you know I've talked with people who have been down there and watched Sebi Zavala play multiple times particularly uh Dan Victor um who's a a minor league guy um and 
He's like, Sebi Zavala is great defensively. He's got a lot to figure out still with the bat. Right now, it looks like he's starting to figure it out with the bat, which right. is phenomenal. Um, obviously, he doesn't have an option anymore, uh, so you would have to cut him. I think you keep Sebi and you let Reese go at this point, unfortunately. Um, I know Reese's arm behind the plate is phenomenal, but Sebi threw somebody out today. Yeah, so... Well, and I thought you had a great point. I mean, just he's out of the picture, right? I mean, at this yeah. point, you know, Sebi's played his way into this spot. Um, and and you, Steve Stone mentioned it too. Like, the offense working has now helped his defense. He was shit last year defensively. Like, it was bad watching Sebi Zavala play defense catcher-wise. Yeah, uh, it wasn't last good year. either. Yeah. But it feels like he's just more confident both at the plate and behind the dish. He's been great at uh, outfield throws, uh, scooping those and picking those clean off one hop. Like, right. That's been real fun to watch. So I, I would love to see Sebi. I think it's going to be Sebi uh, as and Yasmani, uh, you know, closing this out. And we mentioned Colson Montgomery, too. Uh, just to close out the first half, you know, he had a, a first-inning home run for the Winston-Salem dash. So now he's got an on-base streak up to 50 games in high A, yet he wasn't invited to the Futures game. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, I heard he was a big snub for the Futures game. Um, it was nice to see Oscar Colas make a nice catch in center yeah, field, though, right? in uh, center field, too. Yeah. I mean, that was athletic, right. diving out, just Honestly. like Leary Garcia. Well, hey, remember who else <laughs> made a great play in the Futures game in the outfield, too, uh, who's uh, currently on our roster? Luis Pasabe? Oh, did he? Yeah, he like reached out into the stands and, and oh. made a catch over the wall oh. uh, in foul territory. So I don't remember. Who, who knows? Maybe this is an omen. Yeah, um, we, we saw what happened with Aloy in foul territory when he got up to the uh, the big leagues. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the net. Aloy yeah. versus the net. Will it be Oscar Colas, future center fielder, or Luis Robert? We will see. Yikes. Um, <laughs> but I bring up Colson Montgomery because today's the draft. July 17th is the draft. Um, we will be recapping this tomorrow. Herb will be back, and we'll have James Fox on of future. Sox to talk about the MLB draft. The White Sox are picking 26th in the first round today. Steve, you talked about what you hope for the Sox yeah. uh, in the draft today. What are you expecting for the Sox? I don't know what to expect, to be honest with you, because this organization just continues to surprise me year after year with their draft picks. Um, there's never any rhyme or reason. Um, it seems like in past years, it's always been, hey, we're going to go out and get a polished guy in, in college, right? We're going to go get the Andrew Vaughn. We're going to go get Carson Fulmer. We're going to go get uh, Zach, Zach Collins. Zach, Zach Birdie, Birdie yeah. as well. Um, but it seems like the guys who have amazing tools are the dudes that end up panning out for the White Sox. The guys who are freakish athletically or have like or that are very toolsy and, and can they can hone in on that talent are the guys that – really succeed within these, this organization outside of the Andrew Vaughn pick. Um, so I think of guys like Tim Anderson, right? Came from JUCO, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. right? Um, and the guy absolutely, you know, they, they honed in on those skills and they said, hey, we're going to stick with you and, and look what he turned out to be, right? Um, Colson Montgomery, I feel the same way about. I mean, this, this guy has been phenomenal so far. Um, so I'm hoping that they continue to go with a toolsy approach, you know, a guy where, hey, he's got the raw talent, he's young, he's a prep player, let's give him some time in the system and let him work through it, right? Um, 
Except for Courtney Hawkins. Yeah, that's a really bad example. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, the backflip. That's all, all we got to remember is the backflip. Um, so, and then also starting arms or, or just arms in general. I think the system is very, very lacking. We need lefties. Lefties. Well, they're, so I mean, lefties. they're just lacking yeah, in general. System. I mean, they got like yeah. the worst prospect pool. And yeah. All I mean, the, the prospect pool is rough, but especially when it comes to arms. I mean, they are just really, really low and, and don't have that top tier talent. So. And, and listen to the Future Sox podcast. Uh, there's a lot of college arms that might be available for the Sox. Some of them are injured, though, so they might stick another year. Um, but also with college guys, um, they might just sign for the slot. So you might not need to worry about that. And what we've seen with the Sox is that they've been really aggressive in the second round over slotting players and going and get players that might have been in the first round, like Wes Calf, another guy who was a prep bat yep, absolutely. Um, in the second round. They overspent on that slot to go out and get him. And since May 29th, he's hitting 243, 352, 429 yeah, dude, it's uh, pop. down in single A, which isn't great for Canapolis. It's 780 OPS. But like, it, it's it's been much worse, and he's getting better. And right. this is a kid that's only 19 years old. He, not everyone can be Colson Montgomery. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. One's your first round pick for a reason, and has <laughs> been you know is cracking top 50 and top 100 boards for a reason. You know. Right. And you know, blank name brings up Kumar Rocker. Like that'd be an interesting name for sure. It I would mean, be. That's a guy that has all the tools, like Garrett Crochet. Maybe the Sox yeah. just throw him into the bullpen. Um, hey, Kumar. Welcome to the big leagues, you know, right. try to give us some, some some length. So it will definitely be interesting to see what happens with the Sox. Uh, Jim Callis of MLB.com is saying Drew Gilbert, uh, outfielder from Tennessee, will be the pick. And Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com is saying Tucker Toman, the third baseman out of Hammond High School in Columbia, South Carolina, would be p- the pick for the Sox. And then Future Six, Future Sox um, has uh, well, Josh Nelson has the Sox going with Blake Tidwell, Blade Tidwell, and then uh, James Fox is going Tucker Toman. Uh, on, on that side. So we'll right. see what happens. Um, the, all four of those are bats, though. So maybe first-round bat, and then they go really arm-heavy uh, later on in the draft. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, especially with arm. I mean, I feel like it's much more common to see these lower-round arms develop into solid major league options, right? Whereas these lower-option bats usually aren't the guys that usually that make it up, right, and, mm-hmm. and, and make an impact. So um, you hear a lot more about these, you know, 13th round or 17th round guys being pitchers not bats so right I mean Mark Burley in the the 36th round or something like that there's there's no guys hiding out there but yeah for sure I mean uh, we'll we'll see what happens with the Sox and and where they end up going and we'll see if they uh, take the tools or they take the youth and uh, we'll see how they build on the 28th ranked prospect pool thank you Alex Rude for uh, correcting me on that one they're not the worst in baseball they're just the third worst Uh, that makes me feel much much better but having Steve-O here made me feel much much better he was absolutely fantastic today make sure a you listen to the Sons of Honarchy podcast him and Hot Take Tommy do a fantastic job you can follow him on Twitter at drunk shy socks fan killed and, it you uh, got hey, it that time yeah thank you and uh go check out steve-o on uh the the 108 uh tourney uh, uh oh yes the content reveal? march is was uh, that the bracket reveal oh the bracket reveal yeah that i should a, uh, i should probably repost that video that was i was a hell of fun yeah somebody commented earlier on the pregame show that um sober steve-o is uh is much better and, and gives <laughs> some great insight to baseball compared to uh the 108 tourney where i was very very intoxicated and, so. but it was very very entertaining so sober or drunk steve-o does a great job uh, appreciate everyone for hanging out with us uh, appreciate whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on sean we're, we're bearing the lead here i got i got something to play for us oh yes let's I not forget there he is
You did it. <laughs> that is our White Sox math winner right here. Our Sox math winner, Sean Anderson. Congrats. You got a, the video coming up. Thank you so much. It's going to be after much. the All-Star break. Speech, yeah. speech. All right. Well, I'll give a speech. You know, uh, I've been doing this playing Sox math for, I mean, forever, honestly, at this point in my life. And now it's all come to fruition. Uh, first off, uh, watch out Jordan Lazowski. Watch out Beef Loaf. Watch out C Strands. If you've won Sox math before, you're never going to win it again. All right. So that's the first thing. And second of all, I'm just really excited for Saturday. Um, we got a lot of days here, I think five days, to figure out what we're going to do on the hashtag SoxMath video. So, you know, it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be fun. Maybe we just invite as many people as possible to be in the video. Uh, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, I think it's Saturday is a doubleheader. So it's going to be in game one of the doubleheader against the Guardians. But uh, I won my first SoxMath, people. Congratulations, Sean. Thank you very much. Uh, Air horns for days. Incredible. Well, thank you for having me on, Sean. This oh, has course, been man. this has been amazing. Uh, shout out to CHGO. Make sure you guys are subscribed to them if you're not already. Fantastic dudes over here. Uh, I feel absolutely honored and blessed to be here today. So, well, and like Alex said, don't forget to do, uh, push your super secretive podcast with Carrie. All right, one so last shout out. So, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, more news will be coming out. Um, I am still with Sons of Honarchy. You can follow us on Twitter at Sons of Honarchy. But uh, I'll be starting a new project uh, with my buddy Carrie. That's at that baseball fan on Twitter. Uh, two Sox fans who are going to be talking Southside baseball uh, and so much more. So uh, be on the lookout for a, a new project. It'll be uh, it'll be coming out soon. And as you can tell, Steve-O is fantastic. And as Corey Friedman of CHGO Cubs would tell you, and as I would tell you, uh, Kerry is the worst. So, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> it's going right. to be That's a, right. a great him. dynamic <laughs> of uh, a good guy and bad guy uh, on that one. So shout out to uh, Steve-O. Shout out to Kerry. Shout out to Hot Take Tommy. Uh, shout out to everybody uh, for being in here as well in the live chat. I really appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll try to do you proud on Sox math on Saturday, but we'll have a show yes. tomorrow. 2.30 p.m. is the start time for that. Herb Lawrence will be back, and we will be recapping the MLB draft and the Sox picks in the first and second round. And James Fox will join us around 3 p.m. as well to give us more insight into those players. And then, of course, on Tuesday, we'll be doing a All-Star Game show. Uh, we'll have Cody and, uh, I was going to say Ken. Luke. Luke. Why, who's Ken Stuckmeyer? Uh, Luke Stuckmeyer of the CHGO Cubs show. Evan Herb and I doing the pre- and post-game show for the All-Star Game. So it should be fun. We'll have an off day on Wednesday. We'll have a uh, off day show on Thursday. And then a live pre- and post-game show on Friday. Appreciate everyone for hanging out. Appreciate Steve-O for being here. Appreciate Pleasure. Steven, our producer. And thank you to Props. Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. We'll talk to you <laughs> tomorrow. Go White Sox.